Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, we finally have an interview. I was able to very, very easily grab uh, my old friend Russ, uh, who has a boat here in the boatyard and is about to splash it actually tomorrow. And I caught him before uh, he took off, so we get to talk about all sorts of stuff, a little bit of sustainable farming, a little bit of schooner action, and then uh, his experience up here in Maine. So absolutely a pleasure to sit down with Russ and and chat, and hopefully within uh, maybe a few days or a few weeks, we might be able to see the vantage point from his better half as well. So we will see. Other than that, as always, if you want to support the show, head over to Patreon and uh, look up Sailing Into Oblivion, or I'll put the link in the description for you. Make it super easy. Love the support. Big shout out to my Patreon family. You guys are absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so, so much for continuing your support. And without further ado, let's hear from Russ. All right. So the game plan is you, you just want to keep, you sort of get comfortable wherever you are. And then you just want to get that microphone pretty much within about two inches in oh, the old okay. mouth, and like then it. give me a little sound check. All right, here we go. Ross. Sound check, one, two, three. Oh, it, it's, the levels are perfect. <laughs> I expected nothing less. Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on and uh, coming back to Rockland. We missed you. You know, I've been up here for almost a month now. Yeah. Well, I was here before you, so. <laughs> oh, you were. Okay. Yeah. Getting everything ready? Uh, here in April and then again in May. Oh, okay, okay. So, freezing my ass off in April. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it was it was pretty chilly when I first got up here, yeah. but it hasn't. I mean, the weather has been surprisingly pretty mild, and we've only had two rain days at work. Yeah. Well, so normally it's. Uh, I have a feeling because I, normally I don't get up here until June, until right about now. Yeah. But you can see since I've been up here, we've cleared the yard out yeah. pretty well. <laughs> We'll have Dave on the podcast and yeah. debate about that one. There I think. you go. <laughs> so, what type of boat is it that you have uh, it, out here? A Cape Dory 36. And what year is that? 1984 or 85. Oh, okay, depends on okay. who you talk to. Oh, right, right. And how long have you had it? <laughs> about six years now. Nice. Yep. And you guys have been living aboard just in the summertime. Just in the summer, yeah. Cruising Penobscot Bay. Yep. Have you taken it anywhere else? Uh, down to Casco. Well, actually, no. We're going to Casco Bay this year. Okay. Where's uh, that? Down by Portland. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So still in Maine. Yeah. We do a uh, Cape Dory does a um, a cruise, the okay. Northeast Fleet of Cape Dory. Oh, like a rendezvous sort of sort of sort like, of thing. Yeah. And uh, we have a bunch of Cape Dories. Actually, a bunch of people without Cape Dories come to. Oh, right. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> just to, for the to party. bless you with fanfare. <laughs> like, oh, we wish we had one. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we're doing. We're going down to um, Casco Bay this year. We normally do a week in the first week in August. Oh, okay. Okay. We came here on our uh, Cape Dory twenty-eight. Yeah. Which we sailed from Lake Champlain to here. Oh, really? Yeah. So you, you must have to go through, like, locks and stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? I've been through over 200 and something locks. Jeez. If I counted. Holy cow. Is that just from that trip? No, no. 
we took a kid when the kids were small we took them uh to like out the Erie Canal to Lake Ontario. Oh, you did? And okay. We sailed across, sailed around in Lake Ontario, and then we came down the St. Lawrence Seaway. Yeah. To Montreal, sailed past Montreal, and then down the Richelieu River back oh, into wow. Lake Champlain. All on the Cape Dory 28? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and yeah. How, how many kids? Two kids. Two they kids. were seven and nine. So, four of you on a 28 foot boat? Yep. That must have been a little Four of us and about a thousand Beanie Babies. <laughs> oh, my. oh, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Beanie Babies. It, it took three dinghy trips to bring all the Beanie Babies out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you use that as like their mattress? To I told them, you got to have a place for you to sleep here, too. You know? <laughs> Don't worry about it, Dad. <laughs> hey, well, that honestly, that's one of the job. You know, it's a forgotten job of the captain is <laughs> not only to make sure the crew is safe, but to also make sure they're having a good time. That's right. <laughs> At least so. that's a, a good captain, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, before, before we get into any sailing stuff, I wanted to ask you more about uh, your daughter's farm. <laughs> yeah. yeah what is going on with that because i've only gotten little snippets but it sounds really interesting um she lives on a farm uh they are totally off grid they grow all their own food they uh make most of their clothes uh they you know she makes her leather pants she makes leather shoes for herself uh they everything Wow. Okay. He makes, uh, he'll make furniture. He makes all their utensils. So is it just her and her husband? Her husband, yes. Okay. And no kids? There's a kid now, yeah. Oh, there is. Yeah, okay. Like a five year old so granddaughter. It's kind of like a homestead. Yeah. That's kind of the way they think they'd like to look at it as. And this is in Vermont? Yeah. Chelsea, oh. Vermont. And do they, is it, is it one of those things where they're able to sustain that through like selling produce and things or nope. they just, no, they work not really hard for a while? Selling and, anything. Okay. They're, uh, they, she told me they live on about, uh, $6,000 a year. Wow. And $3,000 of that is the car. That, <laughs> I think for most people today, that's like incomprehensible. Right. Well, it was for me. Yeah, right. Well, so, I, I, I'm sort of in that realm. I yeah, mean, well, right. A lot of money goes into the boat, uh, and I kind of don't count that. Right. But for actual just living expenses, it's it's pretty much, because I don't have a car or anything, it's it's food. Right. And, you know, entertainment, I guess, yeah, usually <laughs> in liquid form. Right, right. <laughs> but they, uh, her husband, when, he, when they got together, uh, he moved, uh, he asked me to borrow my truck. And so he could move his stuff down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out what he moved was a backpack and 1,500 pounds of winter squash. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So, wow. So, <laughs> like all in cans or? No. Just, oh, you know, ready like to be butternut canned. squashes and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. They, that's their mainstay for winter. Oh, that's their. That's a lot their of root vegetables, squash. And, okay. Uh, Turnips and carrots and potatoes. Are they canning all this stuff? Rarely canning. Jarring. It's not canning. What do they, what do they call it? Where you put it in the mason jars? Yeah, canning. Canning. Okay. Okay. Uh, they they um, they do um, they make a lot of cheese because they have a cow. Okay. And so they make uh, like two pounds of cheese every day or every other day. Two pounds of cheese from it, one cow. Yeah. Every other day. Well, it takes. I think it's like ten gallons. So they get five gallons of milk a day from the cow. So, or they used to, but now they had a calf. Yeah. So now they give more of it to the calf. Oh, right, right, right. But they had their root cellar was chock full of cheese. 
How long have they been doing that for? Um, about four or five years. Really? Yeah. And they must enjoy it. Oh yeah, I, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> you must. Hey, you've been to the farm, right? Oh yeah. And what do you think? Oh, they, it's great. It's it's so uh, intense that, or not intense, but it's so neat to see some of the clever things that he he'll make. Uh, that he'll just like carve something out of wood. Oh, I'm sure. Like all these tools. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like they have a hay rake, and you know, he just carved it out of a tree. Oh, really? You know, and it's just like, you know, you want a spoon. I'll carve you one he up. carved you one up, yeah, you know, and the bowl. And he you know, he made the chairs out of saplings. And well, stuff. I suppose if you, if you don't have a job right, and your job is really maintaining your land and utilizing your land so mm-hmm. that you can sustain yourself on it, then, yeah, you've yeah. got the time. Yeah, you know, that's, that's exactly right. They don't have jobs, so they have the, you know— but you know he he's pretty clever because he he hays all the hay with a scythe all by hand. Oh, like a, a sickle, right? Yeah, a scythe, big sickle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, if you're not careful with it, you can cut your foot right off with it. <laughs> oh my god, I can only <laughs> I mean, imagine. It's pretty yeah. razor sharp. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know he'll go out and he'll uh, you know scythe for a couple hours till he gets tired, and then he goes and rakes and. And then, you know, it's not like he has to have this whole acre field cleared today. Yeah, there's nobody, you know, stooping over and being right. like, hey. Yeah, do it. Time's ticking. <laughs> right. pro- I'm, I'm assuming he probably doesn't even wear a watch. <laughs> I don't think he does. I'm no. hoping. <laughs> but he cuts all his firewood with a bow saw. And, uh, yeah, so there's just no gasoline no gas, needed for anything. No gasoline, no power. Uh, nothing like and, that. Oh my gosh! And they've sustained themselves for six years doing that. Oh yeah. And I'm he's assuming been doing, he's been doing it himself for like thirty. Oh, uh, so he's the influencer here. Yeah, well, she wanted that lifestyle, so that's why when they got together. Well, and as as a father, what did you think when this initially sort of kicked off? Well, I, you know, again, I was absolutely amazed that it was even freaking possible. <laughs> right, right. You know, so I'll bet. Because wow. it, it's so off the off the norm for right. for these days. You know, and it's just like I had no idea that that you could do this, like that you could live without a job. Yeah, basically, yeah. You know, how many uh, acres do they have? They have twenty three acres. Twenty three acres. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, that's a that's a pretty large chunk. And well, is it? They seem to think it's not. You know, oh they, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But be, well, because you know, it takes like uh, ten acres of field for a cow to graze. Just one cow. One cow. So. Yeah, because that's that's all they really eat, unless you're right. pumping them full of corn and all that no, stuff. They, no grain. For it's these all grass fed, right? right? All grass fed. Yeah. And that's a essentially a, a living lawnmower. Right. <laughs> so do they just they just probably have it sectioned off, maybe so it. It'll eat all the grass in one field, and then oh, yeah. they switch it over. Well, the, you know, then it, you got to be careful because if you mow it down too low, the grass won't come back fast enough. Right, so, so you can't you, let them chew so it all the way. you let them sit on it for, like, so many hours, and then you move it over here for so many hours, so many hours, so many hours, and then you come back. It's all planned out. She has charts. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. And, stuff. and do they have chickens and everything, too? No chickens. Not egg eaters. They're not egg eaters. They're not meat eaters. Because oh. they have no refrigeration, right? Right. Well, but eggs, eggs you can have right for and, weeks and outside of a fridge. Their field, the fields near their house, are filled with 
insects. Oh, really? <laughs> and so I would think the chickens would be fat. It's all get out, but they don't. They don't like them. That's my kind of chicken. Right. Big meat bird, you know. Right. <laughs> Only eating grasshoppers. But they they just don't seem to care for it. So oh, okay. They grow their own wheat. They grow their own oats for oatmeal. Uh, they grind their own wheat to make bread. Uh, That's so cool. She's trying now to start a school where uh, you would go and um, stay there and work with it alongside her. Oh, to be able to learn sort of the techniques? To to be able to learn just what they do because so many people are just like so flabbergasted that this is possible. Yeah. That they, um, she wants to sort of start a school that um, you would go and stay there. Yeah. On the farm and... uh, you know, learn how to what they do and all the different techniques that they use, and because not everybody is this this far out. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you you do have to be sort of savvy. You can't. You, it's not like you can just go throw a tent up in the woods somewhere and then just survive. Right. It's, it's <laughs> people think you can do that, but I mean, you know, I mean, take. Chris McCandless, the guy from uh, Into the Wild. Oh, right. You yeah. must be familiar with that story, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's a tragic ending, obviously. But, right. uh, I mean, he was out in that bus for like a hundred something days. Right. But, you know, obviously that ended. Pre- but he was, he was, I think, under the guise of basically foraging for food and, and obviously hunting. Right. But he was foraging some of the wrong stuff, supposedly. I yeah. don't think they actually have like a stamped we know what happened thing. There's yeah, a lot I don't of theories. Think anybody will ever know. So, yeah. But, but but your daughter's actually she's her daily grind is using the land right. and working the land to be able to sustain on the land. Sustain and they're very like uh careful about what they put on the land. Like, you know, they take their ashes from their wood stove, spread it on the land. Yeah. I offered him my ashes and he said no because I burned newspaper. Oh, you filthy, <laughs> filthy devil, Russ. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's toxins in there. You well, know, right, exactly. Right? You know, and stuff. And he wants to know what's going on the property. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. And it's just you know, and it's just everything is, and it's so well thought out. You know, like they had they plan all their meals, um, all winter long. So oh, they, I'll bet. Yeah. So because the, uh, if they don't, they run out of food. That's that. You know, I know that feeling. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, as you're talking about this, I can really I can relate to a lot of that because the moment I untie and I'm headed out, I mean, yeah, you can fish. Right. But there's not you're not always catching stuff. Right. Um, so it's sort of utilizing and trying to sustain off the things that I've brought. But also, I suppose, you know, trying to catch rain because I'm always trying to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, but boy, do, do they have any electricity like solar panels? They do have a solar panel. Um, it runs three LED lights in the house. Okay, yeah. Because they um, they found that they don't like candles because they're too smoky. Same with kerosene lamps. Right, right. So they prefer the the uh, headlamps or these LED lights. Yeah. And then it also charges the s- cell phone that they have. Oh, okay, they okay. They do have a cell phone, which I've kind of insisted on, especially since when she was pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I want to know. <laughs> Good man. You know, sometimes you have to press the father button and sort of, sort of be like, yeah, we're actually going to be doing My mom did that to me when I left on the big trip. She yeah. said, 
if you're going to do this, you have to check in right. every single day. So, <laughs> you know, and I was happy to oblige. Yeah. And sure. that was good for us, too, because we saw where yeah. we were. And stuff. Everybody else got so, to see it. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I, I tell you, when I, when I think back, all the way back even when I was in grade school, I remember they asked us that question of, like, what you want to be when you grow up. And <laughs> I think it was – it couldn't have been – before fifth grade, somewhere around there, I wrote a, like a paragraph about how I wanted to be a subsistence farmer oh, right. living in Australia. Ah. Obviously, I had no idea about <laughs> any of this sort of stuff, right. but somehow it's always been ingrained in my head <laughs> that there's something special about, you know, you've got this piece of land that you call yours for the time being, yep. and you make it work for you because, in essence... I guess just as humans, all it really is is we're we're able to wake up, do stuff, eat food, and have a shelter over our head when we right, go to right. sleep. The rest is just extra. Yeah, right. Which I, I think a lot of times, especially these days, seems to clog up the. Uh, oh yeah. Clog the brain, ruin you know, well, just get in the way. I got to tell you, when the zombie apocalypse comes, I know where I'm going. <laughs> ah, what's your plan? Out to the farm? You got it. Wait, you wouldn't use the boat? <laughs> well. You know, I could get the. Actually, I can get the boat close. So. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, Devil's right. Gotcha. <laughs> I have been posed with that question a few times, where it's sort of like, "Well, what would you do?" And right now, because uh, somebody actually asked me this not too long ago, but I I have a lot of leftover like doomsday prepper long life food. Oh on yeah, there. right. Probably about six to seven months worth <laughs> if I don't ration it. So if I could fill up my water tanks and get about 30 gallons of diesel, I could take off and I could probably be out at sea, I would think, for a year. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so if the bombs start dropping. Right. That's right. Question is, where do you go? Yeah, right. Well, is that any safer than anywhere else? That's the trouble. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I always thought the... Uh, so, you know, the in the Atlantic, you've got the Bermuda High. Right. And then you've got the Azores High. And they're they're you know, typically pretty calm areas. You do get the hurricane season that, right. that disrupts it and stuff. In the South Atlantic, you have the South Atlantic High, which is pretty far south, but it just sits there right in the middle. Yeah. And every once in a while, a Southern Ocean gale will sort of come up to it. But for the most part, it's just this big blob of almost no wind. Right. And there's no traffic. There's no air air traffic either. No boats, nothing down there. Yeah. And uh, it's actually, unfortunately, it's also... Where the currents have have sort of pulled all the plastic garbage. trash into, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's everybody knows about the the North Pacific garbage patch, right? But there's one in the South Pacific, the North Atlantic, and the South Atlantic and the Indian. Oh, really? The other ones aren't quite as big, but I sailed right through the uh, South Atlantic one, and for five days, there was not a second that I could not see a piece of garbage really? out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, pretty too bad. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I, I, but it's one of those things where, and it's kind of, I've always said it's like poetic justice because as this stuff breaks down, the small fish eat it. Right. The big fish eat them right. and we eat the fish. Eat the fish. So yeah. we're essentially eating the garbage. Well, they say that, everybody has micro balloons of plastic in their blood now. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And it's because we threw it all in there and right. acted like, you know, it sort of disappears. <laughs> but. Well, for years and years and years, we threw garbage just out in the ocean, saying, okay, "Yeah, well, out you of can, sight, out of mind." You, you know? can see it on the old um, on the old charts and stuff, like right. the dumping grounds, dumping grounds and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But I mean, when they were doing the majority of that a long time ago, that was sort of 
before the massive use of plastic. So oh, yeah. Remember when you used to buy meat and they wrapped it in paper? Right, yeah. I loved that. Yeah. That was great. You probably could have burned it. You probably smiled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we stopped at uh, Spectacle Island down in Boston Harbor. I don't know if you ever heard of this. Is that because there's a whole bunch of little dotted islands right out right. there? It's one of the islands right in the harbor. And it used to be the city dump. Oh, it really? It was a horse rendering plant and it was the city dump for a long time. And then when they had the big dig, they capped it. And now it's a park, a state park. So you can go there and hang out on this island, and it's a beautiful place, a beautiful view of yeah, Boston yeah. Oh, I'll bet. and everything. But the beaches are filled with um, sea glass. Oh, I'm sure they are. And pottery shards and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. just all kinds of this garbage just pops up. It's just like makes collecting sea glass. It's not fair because yeah, you can just, just go down and dig scoop. and you scoop and you come up with tons of it. Holy cow. <laughs> so that's all just a big dump. Yeah. But an old school dump. Right. But I mean, now it's a beautiful park, you know, and you can walk up there and uh, it's got fields and nice view of the harbor. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So ah, it's interesting. We have uh, we have a big garbage dump that they turned into up in Michigan that they turned into a ski resort, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, when, in Minnesota, serves. Uh, we lived in Minneapolis for a while and um, they had a one the city had a dump that they made it. They just pile it up, made a ski area out of it. Yeah, plunk a couple riblets in there and a <laughs> couple chairs, and there you go. There you go. <laughs> in the Midwest, I mean, anything anything over 300 feet is considered almost like a mountain. <laughs> right. It's like, wow, it's got a lot of vertical. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know the other day we had talked uh, a little bit about that passage on, what was it, on a schooner? On a schooner, a mystic whaler. Yeah, can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was a great uh, first years and years. In fact, it started. Uh, oh, you got the shirt on with Clearwater. Okay, the Clearwater is uh, Pete Seeger's boat, and they do educational cruises on the Hudson. And how big is that boat? Uh, it's a hundred foot, but it's a sloop. Oh, okay. Because oh, wow. because in order to sail up the Hudson, uh, they just needed a sloop because you're either sailing upwind or downwind. Right, right. Uh, and so um, it was like one of these things. I saw an ad on Facebook or something, they were looking for people. And I said to my wife, you know, I said, you know, that would be kind of cool to sail on one of these boats for a little while. And so I called up and they said, yeah, come on down. And they said, well, you can't get you on the Clearwater, but we can get you on this other boat called the Mystic Whaler, which is 110 foot. It's a steel schooner. Uh, what year was that built? It's built, it's like 50 years old. Oh, okay. It was built in Florida. And oh, it's almost, Sparrow, I think is like 47. Yeah. It was um, the guy, Captain John Edgington, used to be the captain of Victory Chimes. Oh, here. okay. Right here in Rockland. Right here in Rockland, yeah. yeah. And uh, he bought this boat, and he turned it into this thing. It sleeps 32, I believe. Oh, wow. And so um, so they took a liking to me. I took a liking to them. And so I just started. I'd come down in the spring and the fall. I didn't oh, care so much for really? the So this was an ongoing thing. Oh, yeah. I didn't care so much for the educational things, but... You already uh, know all you're going to need to know. Well, no, it was teaching kids. Oh, oh, Fifth and sixth oh. graders. We would have, like, 50 sixth graders. Gotcha, you gotcha. Know, come on board, and we'd have to go through a lesson with them. That's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Yeah, no. yeah. But I love the transits, because they were based out of Mystic. Uh-huh. And so we would sail from Mystic over to New York... And they'd spend a month there, 
and then I would hop back on and sail it back with them. So and I, how how long of a trip is that? It's uh, like twenty eight hours. Okay, so it's an overnight. It's, it was overnight, and it's nonstop. You're just going straight. It's nonstop. Yeah. Well, no, we would usually we stopped. They always said we wouldn't stop, but we almost always did. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'd bars get through almost closed. From, um, <laughs> we would leave the. Um, it's a it's a Hudson uh, Croton on Hudson um, music festival. It's a very large music festival uh, with all these big name groups, and we'd be there uh, for the weekend, and we'd give like one hour rides. Oh, okay, okay, uh, and stuff. If you can imagine hauling up sails on a schooner. Well, and you're in there grabbing stuff and doing stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it was quite the chore. But anyway, you know, after that, then we'd head off and, you know, at, at 5 o'clock at night, we'd leave. So we'd be going through New York City and Manhattan around oh, midnight. Oh, wow. Yeah, through Hell's Gate and yeah, stuff? Yeah, through Hell's Gate around midnight, which was pretty cool. That's got to be pretty it, cool. That was, that was the most awesome part of the thing. But then we'd usually get over by Port Washington and we'd drop an anchor for a couple hours and then get up in the morning and meander the rest of the way. And is there, so on that little transit, are there, there's 28 people on there? No, usually there was like five or six. Five or six, yeah. Because that's sort of like essentially the delivery trip. Right. Right. We could, we could raise the sails with three of us. Oh, okay, okay. If we had to. Is it pretty hard work? It's not that, it's not as hard as you might think. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, they're heavy. I mean, they're, you know. Well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, because when I if squall comes in, you know, I look at it and I look at I look at a squall and I see work. I'm like, right. oh, okay, got to put a reef in. Probably gonna get wet. <laughs> and then I'll go and do it on a schooner like that. Though it's more of just working the sails and. Yeah, we rarely took sails down. Yeah. Once we got them up. I kind of feel like, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, we'll set her up. Or you know, we went, we did it, this, you also used to do this uh, trip, which was always fun. Um, at the end of the year, we'd, t- we'd call the 24 hours of Yukon. <laughs> we, we would take 20, uh, take uh, two classes of Yukon kids, because um, Avery Point campus was right there. Yeah. Uh, and we would do that. We'd move that mic just a little closer. Uh, there. And, uh. We'd get 24, uh, usually 24, 30 kids on board, and we'd sail for 24 hours. Oh, really? Right. So they had to do all their uh, shifts and stuff, and they would, we'd break them up. So they, because they have a, um, a Marine, I forget what it was called, but they have a Marine major. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. So they, these kids were in part of that. And they, How and, old are these kids? College age. College age. Oh, this, is like, this okay. was a college class. Hormones thumping through oh, the decks. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could only imagine. <laughs> but it was it was twenty four hours that yeah. we would be out there, and we did it one day in a hurricane. Oh, really? Oh, Which yeah. one? It was Hurricane Juan, I believe. Juan. It was. What year was this? Uh, God, I don't even remember. They all blend together. Yeah. Don't worry about but it. But we were. It was like 40, 45 mile an hour winds. Really. That's so we were basically, ugly. we were out there. We had uh, a stay sail and uh, a reef main up. We were just tacking back and forth, realizing that we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. We you, could go you, downhill, but the, downwind, but there's no way we could get back. It's essentially like hove to or, right. or close, <laughs> not close reaching. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what I, I'm trying to think. Uh, John Kretschmer, who wrote uh, Sailing a Serious Ocean. 
Oh, yeah, which yeah. is over there. Yeah. Um, big time heavy weather sailor. I yeah. think he's one of the best American like captains for sailing there is out there. But uh, he talks about you know in heavy weather, you know you can run with it, but if that gets too out of control, you can close reach. Right. Or no, he calls it fore reaching, where absolute minimal sails and you're you're barely making any headway, but you're you're doing a little more than hove to. Right. So you are like inching your way sort of upwind. Yeah. But essentially at, at a snail's pace yeah right which you don't really care at that point but yeah you're just sort of like when we, is it gonna stop? we were just like tacking back and forth to give them the experience yeah yeah but you know at the same time we realized we couldn't really go anywhere how big do the waves get uh they weren't that big because it's in long island sound oh okay you well, know? still that's a decent I, they get choppy there oh yeah least, it so. was choppy but you know it wasn't like they were 12 footers or anything right you right, know, right. But it was enough to send spray over the bow and it's exciting and get you know some of these kids wet which yeah, is right. always kind of fun <laughs> teach them a lesson that's right but anyway <laughs> they had this boat um they owned it for some 35 years and they wanted to retire because they're both in their 60s and uh so they had put the boat on the market several years ago and mm-hmm. and it was sold uh a comp a, um, a guy roger chrisman um, out in Santa Barbara, California, yeah. bought it. He is um, he made all his money on in internet. Oh right, Something. tech stuff. Yeah, yeah, tech stuff. I don't know what it was, but anyway, it was just uh, they bought it and they wanted it out in California. So he called me up and said, "Hey, we got to deliver this boat to Florida, uh, to Fort Lauderdale, and then where it's going to be put on a, a, a tanker." Oh yeah, ship. the shipwise sort of thing. Right. Yeah. It, which was we put there were must have been thirty other boats on this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 They're huge, and they they sink them down, and yeah. they sail the boats, or they they position yeah. the boats on it, and then they refloat it. Right. Yeah. Well, this one they just picked us up and put us. Oh, on oh, it. they use a crane. Okay. Yeah. But um, so we had it was blast. We had to go down, and the half the crew came from California because, you know, they. They oh, needed right. to know yeah. to learn the boat, yeah, 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 and stuff. The new captain and everything. So, holy cow! Could you could you imagine just to pause you for a second? What it would be like? I suppose it'd be like if you won like a six hundred million dollar lotto or something, <laughs> and you're sort of like, oh, okay, so now I can afford a hundred fifty foot schooner <laughs> and pay thirty people to keep it beautiful and sail it around for me, and I get to like be on it. <laughs> I feel like that's something I would want to do. That's right. Circumnavigate the world that well, way. Well, you know, he has he has several boats out there. Yeah, yeah. That he owns, and uh, you know they. They're all power boats and stuff. Most of these kids, they're all captains, but they never really have sailed on schooners. Before. Right. Well, it's it's so, this old stuff. I mean, it is. you know, it's it's every day for us because we got three or four of them parked there. We got the yeah, right. Was it the American Spirit that's over there? Uh, Heritage so, American. Yeah, I forget. That one just sold. Chris, Chris oh, really? was telling me. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, for us, it, we see this all the time. Until I came to Maine. I think I might have seen one or two. But, you know, I'll tell you, it's radically different sailing. How so? Uh, well, for one thing, you know, when you, you, when you cleat a line, you, mm-hmm. you put the clove hitch at the end. Oh, I don't. Uh, don't, you know? No. Uh, I've, I, well, I learned all this stuff in, in England, and over there they never do it. Yeah. They do the O eight O. Oh, Oh, this was like, you just wrap it. A bunch you of times. You just do the figure eight and call it good. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it, this two-inch hauser gets tension on it you ain't getting it off you can't get it off yeah well that so that 
we learned about that mostly due to the tides. Because yeah. in the old times, you know, I mean, if you're tied off to a wharf, none of the stuff was floating back in the day. Right, yeah. And you had to have somebody who was basically on line watch. So every hour as the tide went out, they'd ease them off. But yeah. if you forgot, <laughs> right. fell asleep, if the tension of that boat gets on it, if you've got that cleat hitch, yeah. you're not getting it off. Right. And then the boat's hanging and then it just rips the stuff out. So I've always told people, yeah, oh, eight, oh, and there's no actual knot in there, right. but it seizes up on that first little thing. You, uh, you take it and you pull it under the, in between the two lines, mm-hmm. and then you pull it and it slides in there and then it can't come out. Right, right, exactly. Know, and stuff. So and it's just that and, and the fact that everything you're dealing with is large. Yeah, yeah, know, and like, powerful. Right, and powerful and stuff. And so, I mean, you can get you reach your hand through or you know try to do the loop around your hand i mean that can pull your hand right off yeah yeah you know, yeah and stuff and so well with that one the one you were on is that that is that the sloop no so is that was like a, gaff rig with gaff rig schooner yeah wow and stuff so it was pretty fun and just a million lines going up there oh yeah do you have to know them all uh i never did well because you're <laughs> Learn them all you're not you're not getting paid right Oh, yeah, I was paid. Oh, you were paid? Oh, yeah. And they didn't, like, have a dog chasing you around and biting you <laughs> if you didn't know what the... Have you, right. have you ever seen that? Well, yes. On, yeah, rounding Cape Horn. Yeah. If for, for our listeners, anybody uh, looking to see the, the, the tall ship sort of experience, the only true footage right. of a working, you know, tall ship, I think it was a four-masted bark. Right, something like that. Rounding yeah. Cape Horn, they, they did... Full on Atlantic to the Pacific, and this this guy was aboard, and he had a video camera. It was like nineteen twenties or something. We just watched it on the boat. It's so good, <laughs> really. Oh man, I loved it in the beginning when he's training up because the kid's from like Nebraska or something, right, right, right. And so he goes out and he's riding those high end bicycles with the big wheel, right. and then he's climbing telephone poles, telephone poles. and <laughs> rocking back and forth, trying to think, thinking that he's going to be doing that, but. In the end, I mean, geez, yeah, the stuff they go through and the footage when he's up in the mast looking down, oh. where they're going through the Cape Horn snorter, right, and the waves are going basically over the whole thing. Well, just the idea that they're up in the rigging with no harnesses, no nothing, you know. Well, that's just every day for right. Mighty Sparrow here, <laughs> right, old girl? Uh, no, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just like they're out on these yards. You know, yeah. work and with nothing, you know. And it's, it, they, they don't have shoes on probably. It's right. sleeting, freezing cold. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's, that's, I, I know this saying probably wouldn't go over well these days, but that's when men were men. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, yeah. I think about anytime I've ever been in a pretty ugly situation or, or I just feel like complaining out at sea, you <laughs> right. know, like oh my my musto gear has a leak. And <laughs> now right. I've got salt water. I'm just like boy, my my great 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 grandfather sure yeah, would right. <laughs> uh, probably just slap me right across the face. <laughs> right. His oilskins. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. But did you guys? We were talking about a specific incident. Didn't you guys run into some heavy weather or something? We on did. That trip down. Well, we avoided it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, we pulled into uh, Cape Charles, Virginia. Uh, that was during the same system that I was in? No, this was uh, this was in November. Oh, this was in November. Oh, okay, right. okay. And it was another one, you know, it was like before around in Cape Hatteras. Yeah, yeah. We ended up 
sitting for a couple of days and you know of course it was always like yeah we're leaving tomorrow yeah we're leaving tomorrow looks like it should let up and then they would just sort of you know there were three, there were so many captains on board that i was just like okay you guys figure it out yeah right. but uh <laughs> but uh they all got together and talked and they said oh no we're gonna wait and i said sweet you know i don't i'm getting paid yeah so, right so it's like have at it you know, a lay day's a payday. That's right. On a delivery, unless Although it's in, in Cape the contract. Charles, Virginia, it's it, we sort of used up the town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, it's not a very big town. Oh, right, right. And yeah. you know, we we uh, did everything <laughs> there was to do in the first two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet. And then after that, we sort of kept the bar in business, though. How long were you there for? About a week. About a week. Yeah, yeah. I was in uh, Ocean City for eight days. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's hard being stuck. That was the first time I've ever sort of pulled over for weather Yeah, uh, and then gone right back out. And it's, it's a strange feeling at, at first it's kind of this relief. It's like, ah, yeah, okay. We're yeah. back to life. You get some good food, have a couple of beers, but then you're sort of, I don't know. I get into a real antsy phase yeah, right. and you're- then I start questioning if I made the right call and all that sort of stuff. Right. But even when when I we were tied to the dock, I broke through two dock lines during that oh, thing. Really? I, I had multiple lines, like maybe seven or eight full on, yeah. and it was all just tied up to big pilings. But we were being blown. You know, it was a steady forty to forty five. Really? Wow! So the boats heeled over. Yeah. The wind noise is crazy. I felt like I was still out at sea, <laughs> uh, but I wasn't going anywhere, and it was costing me, you know couple hundred bucks a day right yeah right exactly <laughs> those marinas are not cheap yep. i was in this this nice marina super protected but it was all sport fishers like oh. multi-million dollars michael jordan used to keep his really? sport wow. fisher there yeah <laughs> luckily though they uh they were really nice and um they went by the west sail 32 feet yeah right <laughs> which if you know a west sail it's a little bigger than that <laughs> right but, but they were empty, you know, they, they hadn't uh, filled up for the season yeah. and everybody was pretty cool about, you know, nobody wanted to be stuck in there. and Right. Yeah. They knew what the story was. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, then we made it by Hatteras and then we ended up in Charleston where we got stuck with another one. And that one, we had 40 mile an hour winds in the harbor. In the harbor. Yeah. But we and were, you t- were rafted up. We were rafted up to another. Does that one. cause any, any issues with the wind and stuff? Where was the wind coming from? Um... It was on our bow. It was coming out of the north, northwest. Oh, okay, yeah. So it would have been north. It you was were very next to the interesting. City. The the uh, John is. I've watched this guy do some amazing things with this boat. That uh, it, I just shook my head. Just like, and, and and we rafted up to this boat, and it was blowing in the 30s when we were pulling up to raft up to it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "How are we going to do this?" And he goes out and he drops an anchor. And we're all like, what's going on? And next thing you know, boom, falls back. We we nestled right up against that boat, soft as could be. Really? And stuff. We tied the lines. I was like, damn, you know. <laughs> I wish I could have felt that confident to do that. <laughs> I watched him once. One of the best stories ever is we took a group of fifth graders out um, on a cruise. It was supposed to be three on hours. On that same boat. On the same boat. Yeah. And we're in the middle of the Hudson River. And we got all four sails up. We're Heeled over, sailing along, and he goes, "All right, get ready with the anchor." I was like, "What? You know, what are you gonna do with this? Is, is this some kind of weird maneuver you're gonna pull on me? You know?" Yeah. He says, "Just watch." Sure enough, we dropped the anchor. We stayed in that same spot, all four sails up, heeled over, 
like that for three hours. What? It, because of the current it was so strong. Oh. And and we got and nobody on the boat realized it. All these kids went out there, lessons, their chaperones, like, everybody. Man, we are moving. Right. It's like I mean, well, we're literally feel, when that boat heels over, yeah. it feels like and something's the water's happening. rushing by, and we we didn't we didn't move at all. At the end of the three hours, we pulled up the anchor, we took down the sails, we just boated right to the dock, which was right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is some some savvy captain action yeah. right there. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. But he he could maneuver this boat like you couldn't believe. Yeah. And stuff for how long foot. has he been working that boat? Thirty something years. Thirty something years. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. It takes a lifetime to really get to know him. Yeah. Jeez. And you know he let me he would let me steer it all the time and stuff, but I was never anywhere near as good as him. I when it was tricky. Well, but hey, you know what? You put him on your boat over there. Well, you might have to show him a thing or two. <laughs> I'd be pretty sure that he could figure that one out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, but initially, for the first like thirty-five seconds, you have got him unlocked. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was pretty always pretty amazing. To, oh yeah, to be on that boat. So, God, but now it's in sure. California. It's on Santa Cruz Island, and uh, so it made it all the way through. It made it all the way. They're out there now. Um, uh, they get a full-time crew. They. They do, um, I think it's the San Diego Maritime Museum, I want to say. Oh, okay. It owns it, or he gave it to them or something like that. And yeah. now they're doing, uh, they'll do educational cruises with kids, and they'll do three, four, and five-day cruises with adults and stuff oh, like that. Oh, very cool. I think that's always sort of the, the nice way to go, even if, even if, you know, let's say you had unlimited expenses and you wanted to own some big, crazy schooner. Maybe use it for a few months out of the year. But, yeah, I mean, rather than just have this beautiful working boat sitting at a dock doing nothing, making sure that it's used for giving people these experiences. Because if we don't do that, the the old school sailing ships and stuff, they'll just fade away. Well, that's just like, you know, like all these wooden schooners that are here. Mm -hmm. And and also, uh, like, um, there's Rosebud, Harvey Gamage we saw um down there you know and they're all wouldn't they carry kids on them yeah and stuff which is great and the kids get this you know semester's experience sailing on one of these boats yeah yeah and it's amazing but if you don't use these boats they go right to hell fast very fast well and that's that's sort of the catch-22 is that they're so expensive to maintain right and you know my the only one that I've read quite a bit about is uh, the Bounty, oh, you know that's yeah. unfortunately gone now. But you know that was one of its biggest issues is that it was just so expensive. Even you know Ted Turner owned that he, right. when he acquired, I don't know some company. It was actually part of it. It might have been Paramount or something um, because they you know they initially just built that thing to burn it down in filming right yeah. the bounty yeah but right marlon brando wouldn't have it because he was like i like the boat too much yeah and so they ended up building another one bringing it out to tahiti burning that one down <laughs> and keeping the bounty but in any event um yeah that was its sort of biggest thing was that it was so expensive to keep that and yeah it ended up you know you just get one person who's like, I've had it. I've thrown way too much money into it. And then they end up selling it off. Right. And then you get sort of the hopeful eyes of somebody else until the check comes. And they're <laughs> right. like, jeez. Well, it's like this uh, spirit of 
South Carolina that we were tied to was the same sort of thing. It was it's a working schooner. They would take um, kids out all the time, but then they ran out of money, mm-hmm. and it ends up that two um, two businessmen bought it for like a million and a half dollars. Yeah, uh, and they were like car dealers. And but they had no plan for it. They had no idea what to do. Ooh, see that's yeah, that's not good. And so right now they're, I mean the boat's been sitting for almost six years, not moved, just, just sitting on the dock. Oh. And it's a wooden boat, and it's down in South Carolina. So the Torito worms are at it. Is it? It's in Charleston. Yeah. Yeah. So you know down right well that you'd have to take it out and replank it in order to sail it anywhere, and stuff. Uh, and the price of lumber these days. Yeah, right, oh, especially that yes. kind of lumber. Well, you know, I think it's it, it's a good throwback to those boats are from an era where boats, all boats, worked. Right. I mean, even they, that's the, the popular quote of, uh, you know, they kept asking Joshua Slocum while he was building essentially one of the first pleasure crafts mm. ever. You know, 1894 was when he started building or whatever. And they were like, "Will it pay?" Yeah, right. And because that that a boat used to just be, how is that thing going to make you money? Right, exactly. And then slowly, it's transitioned more into you know pleasure cruising. But yeah, I mean, those old ships, if they're not, if there's not some way that they can actually start, you know, bringing in revenue, then yeah, like I said, they just rot unless they have. Well, we watched uh, Mayflower was uh, was rebuilt at Mystic. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's one of the cool things about being on this boat at Mystic Seaport. Oh, I got you're... to hang out at yeah, Mystic Seaport right. all the time. Guilty by association. <laughs> Which cool. was like, oh, that's, this is like heaven. Yeah, you right. Know, going down there. And, of course, they were intimate with the uh, seaport, so I got to go in back doors that not everybody else could go in. It's kind of like going out to Murph Shack here, right. you know. Nobody, not everybody knows about that that's spot. Right. That's right. Oh my god! Stuff. So that was cool watching that happen. Yeah, yeah. And now I don't know if you pay any attention, but the Acorn Arabella, uh, it's a YouTube uh, thing. Where oh, they're, oh! They're building a wooden boat out of trees that he cut down out of his property. Really? Yeah. Holy! His great grandfather planted these oak trees and cedar trees and stuff. And they are harvesting them, and they're building this boat. It's a 34-foot uh, double-ended sloop or oh, catch, wow. I guess. Uh, do, do they have, like, a game plan for it? Yeah. In fact, it's almost done. They are hoping to launch it next year. Uh, Is that on YouTube? Yeah. And what's Acorned, it called? Acorn to Arabella. Acorn to Arabella. Yeah, you should check it out. I, I will. Actually, I've been there to see it. Because it's right near my mother's house in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And stuff. So I've been to see it, and it's pretty cool. Oh, neat. And uh, they have a pretty big YouTube following now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, those those big project ones are, are pretty interesting, where you get to actually see whether they're renovating a boat right. or they're you know actually building it from the keel up. Then I don't know. It's pretty. I've always thought those are pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, that's the, those are the ones I like. I watched that one, Salt and Tar, which is one that's coupled out in California is building this boat. All uh, wood boats. All wood boat. Yeah. And yet your boat's not wood, is it? No. Fiberglass. But I'm smarter than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'm trying to get Mike on here, mm. Mike Pease. Yeah. Because you know he sold his boat. Yes, I know that. So I. First time ever, I got to actually go down below on it. Oh, so really? It's 1938. Yeah. 
forget what type of boat it is. Uh, you don't know. Yeah. But actually, uh, its but sister boat is is uh, brilliant. Oh, that's the name of it? That That's the name of the sister boat, I think, which is a very famous boat. Oh, really? Uh, it's It held the um, record for crossing the Atlantic oh, really? for years. Oh, okay. Years and years. In fact, it's only been broken recently, and that was in Mystic Seaport. And actually, I've been on that boat. Uh, same size and everything? I don't think so. I think it might a be bigger. a little bigger. Billions yeah. bigger. But this that is, one was, I think I, they build this one from the off cuts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so they always shrink it down a little bit. Right. Well, I just, I was shocked. I mean, you go down below on that, and this is a beautiful old, old boat. Yeah. And you feel the age when you get down there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking in there, and, and yeah, there's a couple LED lights or whatever. Right. And a VHF radio, <laughs> but the rest of it, you're sort of looking around thinking, Holy cow, this boat could have been out sailing, you know, Long Island Sound before World War II. Right. Not a care in the world. Who (laughs) knows what's coming up? But just the thought of, you know, being in that little bunk and, you know, under an actual little kerosene light or whatever. (laughs) That's right. I don't know. It is. It's it's pretty crazy. I'm hoping to get him on the show because I'd like to I'd like to talk about obviously wood boats. Right. But I want to talk about what it's like to be he's owned that boat since the 90s oh really huh. and he has sold it yeah and that's a long time it's, yeah and i don't know maybe maybe he'll tear up i don't know yeah well, well he's see. talking about buying a cape dory yeah i know <laughs> i know i know we 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 sort of chatted the other day yeah. so we'll have to see how that goes but enough about him right i got russ here right yeah. now. so uh, cause we're actually, we're, we're getting close to time. Okay. Here, believe it or not. It goes by really <laughs> yeah, fast. Really, doesn't yeah. it? I know it's so painless. It's, it's pretty funny when I had Murph on here for the first time, uh, he was, oh, he yeah, was well. super nervous. Oh, really? Now I put the microphone in front of him. Uh, he won't stop. Yeah. It's he right. loves it. He's like, oh yeah. As soon as he finds out how many people download it. I don't know. It's like a switch gets flipped. So you guys, you and your wife have been coming up here for how many years up to me? Seven or eight now, something on, like that. And on that boat for six years? Six years, yes. So what do you guys typically do? Because I, I, I guess I want to frame this in, in a certain way. I know quite a few people that I've run into down south, all the way from like New Jersey down to Florida, who have always wanted to come up to Maine mm. and spend a summer up here, but they're sort of hesitant because it's very different. You know, there's... There's the intercoastal waterway and the little hops outside and all the marinas and all that sort of stuff. But there's this idea of Maine as this this jewel, which I believe it really is, yeah. especially Penobscot Bay. Right. Um, what do you guys do when you come up here? What's what's uh, what's your experience, and why do you keep coming back? <laughs> well, besides uh, that, the boats are already here. <laughs> well, you know, we basically um, cruise around. You know, we go. Uh, every year we've gone here, we've go to a bunch of old places that we've been to. We go to a bunch. We try to get to a couple of new places that we haven't ever been to. Now, when you say places, are you talking like harbors or just little coves or islands? Usually harbors and stuff. I'm not really, uh, you know, we haven't really gone into uh, like little coves all by ourselves and stuff. Okay, it, it's uh, I don't know. We we. Um, Go around. Sometimes we go. We have a couple of friends, and we'll say, "Let's go here and do this," and we'll hang out. You know, Perry's Creek is obviously a fun place. Where is that? Uh, it's right over on Vinyl Haven. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of pretty cool little spots over there. Yeah, isn't there? 
Um, and there's cool spots everywhere, you know, and it's just so many places that we say, wow, we should really get there, you know, and uh, so one of these days, you know, we probably will. Uh, you know, we made it. We've actually been to a lot of places, you know, and everybody says, well, have you been here? And it says, yeah, been there. Been you know, there. Been there, Done yeah. Done that. Like we've been out to Matinicus. Oh, you have? Yeah. What would you think of that? Matinicus is sweet. Well, dude, the guy last night, uh, was it Jeremy? The one guy who was wearing the hat oh. and sort of had the five o'clock shadow. Yeah. He's from, he's a lobsterman from, lives on Matinicus. Oh, really? Yeah. Multi-generational. Yeah. Well, right. And it's such a cool place. And it's it's very, it it feels intimidating to sail there. Well, because it's such a storied place and, you, you know. Right. It's not like the stories are all bad, but it's sort of, you, you realize that's sort of the Wild West of Midcoast Maine. Right. But it's not that bad. I mean, it was, it was a fun trip. Yeah. You know, and we got out there, we hung out on the island for a day. and Did you it, meet many locals? Um, we stopped at a, a few. couple stores and, yeah. you know, and stuff. It was just cool. You know, going to the bakery, it's all self-serve. Oh, right, right. You know, yeah, and, and the, the library was all self-serve. Well, there can't be more than like 200 people live out there. No, right? I doubt. Probably even not that. even that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stuff. And, you but know, it's like the richest lobster. Yeah. Right. It's like the center of the lobster world. <laughs> right. It's unbelievable. You know, and we would do there. And, you know, we we went up to, um, oh, what's the place up by uh, by Castine, uh, Holbrook Island. Oh, okay. It's another ni- really nice place. You could spend like, a year just cruising Penobscot Bay, couldn't you? Oh, the friends, the people we bought our boat from sailed up here for 40 years. Really? And they said they never got tired of it. Well, there's just, I mean, it's its insane how big this place is. Yeah. And there's the just the coastline is, I mean, if you want to find your own little cove, you're yeah. not going to have to go very far. Right. And, you know, you can, and then you always have, you know, go down east, you can go Roke Island or even up to Jonesport. You ever make it past the border up into uh, Nova no, Scotia? No, we've never even been past uh, uh, Mount Desert. Oh, really? But that's, you know, it's like one of the things we're saving. For, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the, the next adventure. The, ne- the next adventure, I'm not as uh, uh, adventurous as you. <laughs> nah, well, yeah, I, I haven't I, been I out. you're just a little more intelligent. <laughs> A little less apt to just jump on and go for it. But one of the things that I would love to do at some point is to go from like here to Cape Cod. It just spend a, oh, overnight. Cross the Gulf of Maine. Cro- cross the Gulf of Maine. Oh, yeah. And yeah, go yeah. down. And you could spend a week in Long Island Sound, turn around and come back. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, well, and there's two ways to go about it. You can go head for the Cape Cod Canal or <laughs> you go around George's Bank. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I honestly, if you pick the right weather window, George's Bank is beautiful, especially at night because the dolphins, the marine life, oh, right. the phosphorescence are the brightest I've ever seen in my life. Really? Wow. And the only trouble is that sooner or later you're going to run through a scallop fleet and yeah. that's it's kind of a pain in the butt. I mean, I suppose if you if if it's not a solo sail, that makes it a lot easier yeah. because you can at least get some rest. I when I'm approaching um, the Gulf of Maine and George's Bank, I know I'm in for 24 hours of no sleep until I get through right. at least one clump of fishing boats, and then typically once I get four or five hours away from George's, then I'm in the clear pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I just, you know, the overnight experience is kind of what I'm was just looking for. You know, it doesn't have to be far. 
you know, 90 miles, something. I can scare my wife by talking about Bermuda. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, hey, let's, you know where I would love to go? But I'd really want to be able to stop there, and I don't even know if you can, but Sable Island. See, I know where that is. That's up uh, um, off the coast of Nova Scotia. Oh. I'm pretty sure they must own it. But uh, that's where they think the Andrea Gale went down in the perfect storm. Oh, really? It's a really, like, ominous sort of place. Yeah. Um, but it, it has this crazy history. I think it was like the the Portuguese or the French that put a bunch of their prisoners on the island. Oh, and the right. island doesn't have anything, and they ended up eating each other and all this sort of stuff. And they brought these prisoners back yeah. to show the king after I don't know how many decades, and they were all wearing, you know, like goat skin clothing. They had beards. And, <laughs> Crazy hair, and the king actually gave him like reparations. He's oh, like, right. I, I don't know what we put you through. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Little bit of history yeah. right there. Well, I, what are some of uh, the pitfalls? What are some of the things that you would warn somebody about? Say, say I had two friends down in in South Carolina or something that wanted to get up here. Well, what have, would you warn them? Have about? good charts. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the, the bottom here is not soft. Well, what about, uh, are you talking about paper charts or are you talking about electronic? Oh, I would, I have all electronic charts. Although I do, I have a chart plotter, but I do have a chart book. Yeah. The one problem I find with chart plotters is they don't give you a big picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I kind of like to say, well, where, where am I headed for when I'm... Right, instead know? of just weaving through this little place. Yeah. Where's the big, yeah. Right. All where of where am I next to now? So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I found it so easy here. We fought, we sailed Lake Champlain for 25 years, mm -hmm. and when we came over here, I found it's almost exactly the same. You get the fog there? No, well? they don't get fog, but the the um, the weather there is much worse than oh, it ever get, gets yeah, here. Oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the whole idea of the ocean being the, this huge uh, evil thing. And the systems coming down from the Canadian Shield are ugly. Well, the, they hit the Great Lakes and then they come across. They can be well. Really just the gross. idea that well, the waves are—they're not huge, but they're close together. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've had my boat be a submarine. I mean, it just augured through the front of the next wave, and that's freshwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. you know, right over the top of the Dodger or everything, right, right. You know, and stuff. And I was like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was only a ten-foot wave, but it's only ten feet from the next one. Yeah, too. exactly, so. exactly. Well, and there is theories that you know, freshwater, your boats just a little bit less buoyant right than in salt water so yeah take that as you will yeah so uh yeah i don't know i mean i find it's it's still pretty easy uh fog is definitely a hindrance it's a bit of an issue what what sort of electronics do you have dealing with that do you have radar we have radar we and just AIS? Uh, i just bought ais this year mm. with the money i made from the schooner Oh, I said, this, good is, this man. is for goat boat parts. <laughs> <laughs> That's your excuse for being able to take off and go do it, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Have you used that yet? Haven't even turned it on. Oh, nice. What kind did you get? Uh, it's EM track. Oh. Uh, it I was, don't know that one. Uh, I don't know. I, I just looked online and, and, but you know, one that seemed nice. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. And I went, I've got that icon. It has over the there. splitter built in. Oh, it does. Yeah, which okay. I thought I'm not dealing. That's pretty an, nice. Yeah. Another two hundred dollars for a stupid split. Well, that was the thing. I I got that one. It's the top of the two black ones. Uh -oh. Um, and the initially I bought the VHF, which said it was a VHF VHF yeah. 
slash AIS. Yeah, right, Standard Horizon, yeah. Yeah, and it didn't quite turn out to be quite that without a whole lot of extra stuff. Right. So I ordered the other one, which is just standalone, hmm. but I still needed to get a splitter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so I was sort of like, golly. But it, it seems to work pretty well. They used to make one called a Mazutech, and the, I guess they went out of business, but I had bought one of those for the initial trip. Yeah. It just had a nice color display that... I don't know. It showed your track. It showed all this sort of stuff. It was really good, uh, but this don't, doesn't don't even make them anymore. This doesn't do anything. It's all just plugs into your chart plotter. Oh, okay, okay. So it does yeah. all the AIS from your chart plotter and gotcha. Uh, I'm not even sure it works now because it's inside, and I'm hoping, kind of hoping the antenna will still get a signal. Oh, I'm it's, sure. I'm it, sure. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll be able to sort it out. I've had to troubleshoot my stuff quite a bit. Yeah. So. If it's not working, you you let me know. I'll okay. Come but I've got my my buddy Brian down in uh, South Carolina. He gave me an old Garmin GPS, which is way newer than that standard Horizon. Yeah. So I'm actually going to have to, for the first time, try to integrate these systems. Which wow! I yeah, wish, right. I wish I had my. Well, that's packs. sort of the trouble. Yeah, it's hard. I don't. I just. I mean, I I enjoy doing it because eventually I'll figure it out. But. Right. Sometimes I'm just like somebody else do it. That's always a cool thing. About, <laughs> cool thing about boating, you know, it's just like it presents you with these challenges. Yeah, that, that you know, all of a sudden you you solve it, and it's like sweet. I'm the conqueror. <laughs> That's yes. right. I did it. Yeah. yeah no, it's <laughs> you know? true. It's true. I don't so, know. I've always liked it. Oh man. Well, so any big plans for uh, the summer? Not really. Kicking back and cruising. Kicking back and cruising. The wife is retired. Now, Congratulations. So, so now we we don't have an end date in the fall. Yeah. So we could do anything. We had talked about maybe buzzing down to Long Island Sound. A little Caribbean and, action. And getting hauled down there or maybe even the Chesapeake or... Or the Caribbean, or the maybe. Caribbean. No. <laughs> <laughs> but every, probably said I'd have to try that once. Yeah. So the boat's been there. The boat's been to Cuba three times. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was it used to be owned by a Canadian couple. Oh, okay. And so they could go to Cuba. Well, I think we can go now. I'm not sure, but... I believe so. I Yeah, yeah who knows? I, I, I remember it opened up. There was a big hubbub years ago where it was like, oh, yeah, American boats can come in there now. And But I, I don't know. I It was but, one of those things where there's so Trump many islands changed on there. that. Maybe, who knows? And then Biden hasn't really let it off yet or something. I don't know. But anyway. Uh, Free love, man. Yeah, Let's right. just let everybody go places. <laughs> I'm right. I'm really excited because this is the first time that uh, I am going into a winter season feeling like I can go places again. Right. Like places are open. If I go out to see, if I see a place that I want to stop, I can actually go there. Because for the last couple of years, I really haven't felt that it's sort of. You just never know what's going to happen and if some variant or something's going to happen and people are going to get spooked. Because the islands really do have to sort of be pretty careful, I guess. Right. But I don't know. It's so strange to to think, you know, just 2019 ago. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, where do I want to go? Right. And just bang, you go there and pay a little duty and then you're in a country for a month and it's like, yes, this yeah, is right. great. So, Check it out. But. Yeah, right. So who knows? Who knows? But I, I'll tell you, I was so I was so glad to see your boat was still up here. And uh, I know you, you're sort of uh, what I term in a very 
endearing way, a yard rat. <laughs> like you're one of the guys, and there's quite a few who, uh, you know, we launch your boat, but you never quite really leave. We, yeah, we right. get to see you, which is great. I mean, because one place about this this night marine here is that it's like a family place. Yeah, so. yeah. That's what I love about it. It's so much fun. I, I've been having just a ball working right. up here. I keep telling them, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's it's middle of June. Summer's almost over. Right. We got we to gotta really take it in. Because it is. It's going to go by like nothing. Oh, yeah. Right. It always does. So. Always and does. I work, I say, as I work in a marina pretty much just like this back in Vermont. Oh, really? Yeah. Where is that? It's on, on Lake Champlain. It's on Lake Champlain, yeah. Huh? And it's like the old marina. I, in fact, I never paid to have my boat in the lake because I worked there. Oh, and really? It's like free haul, free storage, free mooring. I have to talk to Celia Knight. Yeah. Oh, geez, I'm getting charged. No. <laughs> they cut me a pretty sweet deal, yeah. which is pretty nice. <laughs> so I, in on Lake Champlain, though, obviously that thing freezes up, right? Uh, once much? every five years or so. Okay. The bays will freeze. What's the sailing season? When do people usually haul out? Um, well, we haul everybody out by the end of October. We okay. insist. Yeah, yeah. Because so like, we don't want to be working. I've them. skated on ice on decks on other people's boats, and I'm oh, like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I've had to push. I've had to break ice to get out to my mooring mm. and stuff in my dinghy. So I'm like, no, I'm not yeah, doing that. Not, yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> not That's for somebody accident. else's boat. Yeah, it's an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> right. So we insist that they have them all out by the 31st, but generally, um, Columbus Day yeah. or Indigenous Peoples Day or whatever. It right, is right. We um, we tell people that's the end of the season. Well, it's pretty much up in up in northern Michigan. I mean, we we just have a tiny boat because we're on a little inland lake, but out in in Little Traverse Bay, which is Lake Michigan. Yeah. You know, most of the boats you pretty much not going to see anything. Even in September, the nor- northwesterlies that come yeah, down, yeah. just it's, I mean, tankers come into to Harbor Springs and and just lay up there right. while some of the storms roll through. So. Yeah, yeah, because that's the, the only trouble with that time of year is yeah, it can be great sailing, but it also the weather can just turn oh, horrible. Yeah, it gets really bad. And, so, and there's something about fresh water just seems colder when it hits you in the face <laughs> i don't know i don't know what it is i've never i mean even in the southern ocean mm-hmm. that water never felt as cold as lake michigan yeah. in like april oh, oh yeah don't well even yeah, yeah. <laughs> i actually I, we used to go camping uh in a place called pictured rocks up on lake superior uh-huh. and I after you're camping for five days, hiking around, you smell pretty bad. And I remember a couple of us went to jump in, and Lake Superior sits in the 30s. Oh yeah, yeah, like all the time. Yep. It's just so big and cold and deep. And they have a saying that if you're too hot, just stick your big toe in there, and you'll <laughs> you'll freeze to death. And it, we jumped in, uh, and I've never felt that before. <laughs> like where you lose all the air out of your lungs. Right. It's such a shock to the system. I mean, wow. Yeah, but. <laughs> I don't know. I've never felt that out at sea. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Hmm. Well, Russ, we're past the hour, bud. Okay. Goes by pretty fast, doesn't it? Yeah. It was pretty fun, though. Yeah? yeah? Pretty fun. Just pretty fun. Well, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it really is. Uh, I have to thank you because uh, I know it's the most precious thing all of us have is our time. Well, yeah. Money, be damned. Right. Time, you can't buy. Right, that's right. And, uh, and to be able to steal an hour... 
and five minutes of yours. Well, it was nice to have, just be able to sit here and chat with you. Hey, absolutely. So and, it wasn't and, really a waste of my time. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. And like I said, I mean, it's it's great to have you back up here, both of you. And uh, I, you know, uh, your wife was, she was so funny because I could tell she's sort of interested in doing the <laughs> podcast, but she's like, well, what is it really about, though? Is it all just saying, because I, you know, chemistry and stuff. I, I want to hit all subjects. It's not all just yeah, sailing right. for me. Well, you should definitely get her. I think I should. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to try my best. Sometimes it's uh, it's like pulling teeth. Her lies not, might not be the same as my lies. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Russ, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to absolutely love This is the first interview I've I've had since Murph. Uh-huh. So quite a good juxtaposition yes, there. there. <laughs> and um, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on at the uh, end of the season. All right. You can talk about how it all went. That's right. There you go. All right. Thanks, Russ. Yeah.